All right, good morning, church. Pastor Duane said, uh, my name is Brian Lingle, and I am pastor of adult education here at Woodland. And uh, it's my privilege and honor to uh, share God's word with you this morning. And I'm excited about that. Hopefully you're excited too. Or maybe you're terrified. I have no idea. Um, you know, I never really ever thought about inviting my barber to a church event. You'll, you'll get to it eventually. It'll, it'll catch up to you. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about prayer today. Uh, title of today's message is, Why Should We Pray? We'll be in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Uh, before we do that, everything we've been doing this morning is getting us prepared uh, to hear from the Lord. Uh, when we think about our worship, when we think about everything we're doing, it, it's really getting us ready to hear from Him. So I, I'd like to take a little bit of time uh, before we dig into His Word to prepare our hearts and our minds for that even more. You know, when we think about today, we think about this moment, there can be a multitude of distractions that would seek to keep us from being present. You may be here physically, but you may not be here mentally. And so I'd like to always give us time to sort of, if you will, still some of those things in silence, ask the Lord to help us, if you will, be attentive to what he would say, uh, because I believe he has something to say to everybody in this room. Amen? So let's just take a moment here in silence and do that, and I'll close it with prayer. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be here today. Lord, we rejoice in this opportunity to come together in fellowship. To open up your word and to hear from you. I pray, Father, that every one of us that's here came here this morning expecting to hear from you. I pray now, Father, as we prepare that, we would still our minds and our heart. Open them up to hear what you would say to us, Father, for you have something to say. And Father, I pray, chasten us if you must, but speak to us nonetheless. May we truly hear what you have to say to each and every one of us here. We're thankful to be gathered together. We're thankful to put ourselves here to listen to what you have to say. May we apply that to our lives and be equipped to proclaim the glorious truth of your gospel. To rejoice in being able to be an ambassador to you. To be Jesus in the flesh. To be the gospel message, the light in the darkness. May we steal our minds to that truth and that reality. And may the distractions be set aside that we can hear what you would say. May you be given all glory today. May your name be exalted. May you be lifted on high. Our Lord, our Savior, and our soon coming King. And all God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. So when we think about our time together this morning, I want to make a couple promises to you. Number one, uh, I promise that I will share the word of God truthfully uh, to what it says. Now, how that impacts you and what you do with it is not really my concern. That's between you and the author. I didn't write the book. Secondly, I promise to get you out of here early. Amen? Get the sizzler early, baby. You can't beat that, right? So I'll get you a little bit a little out of here early, if you will. So I'm going to talk to you from Colossians 4, but we're going to look at some other scriptures before we do that. Um, and this was really born out of 
uh, the Sarasota Prayer Breakfast. I was at that Sarasota Prayer Breakfast, and it was the 50th anniversary of the Sarasota Prayer Breakfast. And um, it was interesting going through there and listening. And, and they had a speaker who came in and spoke about God's providential sovereign care over us as a nation. And it really kind of impacted me. He walked back through history and shared uh, a no- number of times where we at our highest level, the presidential level, have declared a national day of prayer. Where we would say, you know what, we're in a situation, we're dealing with a circumstance, it's before us, it seems that we can't be victorious, that there's no way out. We need God to show up and we need a miracle. And so from that highest office in our land, they would ask for us as a people to, if we will fall before God, repent, to seek him and ask for him to intercede on our behalf. And it was amazing the number of stories he showed and shared and, and the examples that he shared. And, and God showed up. God showed up. And it really kind of grabbed hold of me, and it really kind of was like, wow, God, God showed up. And it really kind of challenged me in my own prayer life. Uh, and do I pray in that regard? I mean, do, do I pray knowing that Friday happened, but Sunday's coming? Do I pray in regard to that truth that, that the tomb is empty? And I'll, I'll just challenge you with this and something to keep in mind as we go through this. Does God answer prayer? Now, you're in church, so I would expect you to say yes, right? But let's think about that. Let's think about this God answer prayer. The Apostle Paul uh, gives us much within the Word of God in regards to the importance of prayer and, and why we should pray. And so I want to talk about four things today about that and, and some other things uh, that come out of the text that we'll read today. But I want to start off in a couple passages before our passage in Colossians. And in Romans 15, as Paul is addressing the church in Rome, He says this, now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, petitioning them to be lifting him up before the Lord. To the church in Ephesus, Paul says this in Ephesus 6, 19 and 20. He said, and pray on my behalf that utterances may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. Uh, to make known with boldness the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And to the church at Thessalonica, he says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.25. He just simply says, brethren, pray for me. In 2 Thessalonians 3.1, he says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you. Paul beseeching the church, the body of Christ, to come together to lift up prayers, to pray for him that the gospel will go forward and that with boldness and courage he would proclaim that truth. And finally, the church at Colossae says this in verse, chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. He says, devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have been also in prison, that I may make it clear the way that I ought to speak. So we have much to examine and talk about. I want to talk with this first part in Colossians 4. Paul practiced a mature prayer life. It was something that was evident in his life, something you could see throughout the text of Scripture. But he also prescribed it for you and I in regards to how we ought to conduct ourselves in regards to prayer that it ought to be something that's a part of our life. He said this, he said, you should devote yourselves to it. Now, when you hear the word devotion, what comes to mind? What comes to mind? 
Persistent, continual, committed. Does that describe your prayer life? Brothers and sisters, as we gather here this morning, I want you to know one thing. Prayer is not a spiritual luxury. It is an essential growth. It is as essential as to our lives as breathing. It needs to be a part of what we do. It should be continual in our lives. Not casual. In his praying, Paul encouraged them to be watchful, to be alert, to be aware. What does that look like and why? Because we can suffer from spiritual drowsiness. We can allow the things of the world to draw our attention away from what we should be focused on. Now, maybe none of you struggle with that, but I know I do. I know I do. Be alert, be aware, recognize what can happen. I was funny, the, this morning I get up from my quiet time and, and I have a passage that's just randomly picked out and, and the passage this morning was, was Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and, he, and, and he asked the, the apostles to stay alert and to be aware. And the, and the passage comes back and he says, could you not just stay awake? Right, you remember that passage? You remember that scene? They, they just couldn't stay awake, right? They were not only just drowsy mentally, but they were drowsy physically. What's that look like in our own lives in regards to prayer? We need to be mindful and alert and aware of the wiles of the devil, the schemes of our enemy. We need to be alert to the fact that not only is he looking to keep us from prayer, but he does not want you to pray. Because I tell you what, if you're in here this morning, I want you to know this. The devil believes God answers prayer, amen? He does not want you petitioning the Almighty on the behalf of anybody. We need to be aware of the schemes of the devil. We need to be aware of those things he would look to do. To clutter our minds with thoughts that are not of any benefit allow us to be clouded in our thinkings when we come here to hear from the Almighty and we're distracted by a multitude of other things that shoot into our heads as we're here. Be steeled in this moment and understand that God has a word to say and he wants you to hear. Be attentive to that. He says also be thankful. That should always be a part of what we do in regards to prayer. When we think about being thankful, when we think about being, having an attitude of gratitude, it places in a proper position before the Almighty. It colors everything in regards to what we ask and what we say to him when we have an attitude of gratitude and are thankful before we come to him in prayer. So I ask you again, does God really answer prayer? If that being true, then what should prayer look like in our lives? If that being the reality and that being true and if that being what we say, do we continue? Do we persevere in prayer? Is that a true measure of when we evaluate our prayer life, we would say, yes, earnestly I seek the Lord in prayer. Am I vigilant in my prayer life? Is there thanksgiving in what I pray and ask of God? The reality of the truth is that God wants to hear from us. He is waiting to hear from us. The almighty ruler of the world that spoke this world into existence wants to hear from you. If that being true, what would keep us from prayer? Some days for myself, it's not much. To be honest, I'm just being 
Honest with me. We need to pray and we need to pray and not lose heart. We need to petition and pray and continue to seek the Lord. No matter how we feel, no matter what be going on around us, no matter what might be happening in our lives, we need to continue in prayer is what his word is saying to us. So much within God's word talks to us about being persistent and interceding that we need to be aware of that each and every day of our lives that we need to continue to do so. And sort of examining these four things that I want to talk about this morning that really kind of grabbed the hold of me as I was putting this together and, and wanting to share. And the first one we have in our, your filling is that prayer is a battle. Prayer is a battle. Why should we pray? Because we get to enter the fray. I would just challenge you in that regard, that reality right now. You get to go to war. And you need to have a warrior's mindset when we go into battle. It's called the armor of God. We're not covering ourselves with pillow and feather dusters. We're going to war, brothers and sisters. We're going to war. Prayer is continual, and it's not just this. It's mental, it's emotional, and it's physical. We need to be aware of that as followers of Christ. When we enter into the battle, there's going to be a mental war waged with us. We need to understand full well that Satan does not want us to pray, as we said. We need to be aware of the fact that things happen. Now, I tell you what, I, I start off sometimes, and I'm like, I get up, and I'm like, oh, Lord, today I'm going to pray heaven down. Oh, right? Like, today, Lord, this is the day I'm going to, oh, wow. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, and I'm like, squirrel. I'm like, what, what happened? What, I'm just, oh, yeah, Lord, I thank, squirrel. Like, there's all kinds of thoughts that shoot into my head. Right? Things that look to distract me. Right? My prayer life sometimes is like when I read something. You ever read something and you kind of get done and you kind of go, what did I just read? Right? You're like, what? My prayer life is like that. Like there's always something looking, if you will, to buy. So mentally, mentally how do we discipline ourselves? Right? How do we discipline ourselves? The battle, the battle between our ears. Being mindful of the things that are looking to distract us and steal us away. Satan will throw things in that thought process, and there's also just you. Often we've seen the enemy, and they're standing in the mirror looking at us. It's us. The reality of who we are and the things that we do. The things in have regard to how we prepare ourselves for prayer. I'm going to be honest with you, one of the things that can wipe away my prayer life and my time with the Lord Almighty is a, a television show. Amen? Huh? Am I preaching at you now? Huh? Am I the only one that stays up too late sometimes, and the next morning I can't seem to get to my business? And I'm shocked when things don't go the way they ought to go, right? When I'm not attentive to the things I need to be attentive to, because why? I haven't dis disciplined myself in regards to what needs to happen mentally. So when we think about how do we execute this, how do we put this in place, what is it for you? Why are you not ready for the battle? Emotionally, what are we going to go through? How many of you in here know somebody that doesn't know the Lord? The Word of God tells me that a man is destined to die once and after that face the judgment. I don't know about you, but there are people that I love dearly that their hearts are hard. They're in no second chance. That's emotional because you desperately want them to what? Know the Lord. So we petition, we seek, we intercede, but it's emotionally draining. It's physically draining. The burdens that we feel, the reality of it is we should feel exhausted after prayer. 
Wouldn't that be a great thing? When you think about praying, that you actually feel physically exhausted from it because you've put yourself in the battle. You've thrown yourself into the fray. It's the whole person that gets involved when we know about prayer and we think about prayer and we do prayer the way that God has challenged us to do so. Our minds are engaged. Our will is involved. And our hearts are burdened. As you hear this morning, I guarantee you there's some of you here that have burdens upon your heart. We see that most powerfully when I was sharing earlier with our Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane before the cross. You all remember that scene. The weight and the magnitude of what was about to take place. The reality and the truth of knowing full well that Christ was about to bear the sins of the world. The reality and the truth of that something that had never happened is that he and the Father were going to be separated. And you remember that scene where he's, he's petitioning God, God, if there be a way this cup can pass from me, let it be. But not my will be done. Your will be done. The burden, the mental, the emotional, the physical components of prayer. But I will say this to you. Why should we? Because we can enter into the battle. And we have an audience with the God that has conquered the grave and defeated death. That's who hears your prayers. That's the reality of it. So why would you not pray? Why would you not be petitioning the Almighty, seeking Him to intercede, seeking Him to bring victory? Second one we want to talk about this morning is this, is that prayer is a ministry and I think about this, I think corporately. I think in regards as Paul is reaching out to the bodies of Christ, to the churches he has established, he is asking them to intercede and pray for him. Hmm. Better get directions to Jesus. That might be what's happening right there. So when we think about ministry, we think about prayer. Here's something I just... I really feel convicted about. Uh, Brothers and sisters, I'm going to be honest with you. I think the church is in trouble when it comes to prayer. I think we got more prayerlessness than we do prayerfulness. I know the Lord's really convicted me over that. As a body of believers, what does prayer look like? That's just something he's been pressing upon me. The importance of the body of Christ coming together and being united in prayer. That prayer driving what we do in regards to seeking to have God be victorious in the lives of those that we get to interact with often or daily. How often do we pray corporately as a body? The mindset that we need to have in regards to that is something I think we need to be challenged with. What's it look like in our lives? We need to bring all these issues before the Lord, the Almighty. If we believe Him to be who He says He is, why wouldn't we? When we do this, Satan loses. He loses. It's that simple. But do we as a corporate body of believers believe that? 
And I don't mean in the sense we would articulate it one way. I mean, what does it evidentially look like? You can tell me all the things you want, but what am I going to see? Is there enough evidence to convict you if you're on trial? Would you be found guilty? I think in many ways the church of today, they would not. When we think about prayer being mindful of that aspect of it, do we recognize and believe that prayer brings victory? Do we believe that? When we seek the Lord Almighty, who are we seeking? As we said, the tomb is empty. I don't mean to spoil it for anybody, but I've read the end of the book. We win. We win. We win. Christ has conquered death and defeated it. We are victorious. Do we enter into the battle? Do we enter into the fray knowing that full well? Now, that doesn't mean by any stretch of imagination that we're not going to deal with difficulty. It doesn't mean we're not going to deal with hardship and hurt and heartbreak. It doesn't mean any of those things. But at the end of the day, our prayer is anchored in the fact that God has won the day. He is victorious, and he will be glorified and exalted. That ought to impact in regards to our prayer life. The fact that we're grateful that we have an attitude of grace and that we're happy about the fact that we have won through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it also ought to turn our hearts towards longing. I don't know about you, but I want the Lord to return. We live in a fallen world. So we still deal with death, illness, pain, and suffering. I want him to come back. I want him to make it all right. I want him to set it straight. I don't want there to be any more tears. Does your heart long for his return? Victory. And lastly, and I think most importantly, Our prayer needs to be gospel-focused. Paul, as a missionary pastor and preacher, felt the need for prayers of intercession. On behalf of himself and the team he worked with. And he kind of asked for some things as we look at the text. And and this was convicting of me in the sense of when I asked you, do you know someone that doesn't know the Lord and then when I did that to myself, I, I got convicted about the reality of what does the gospel look like in my prayer life on their behalf. Right? And when I, when I took time and I did an inventory, I found it to be wanting. Remember, we said we believe God answers prayer. Right? And, and if I got loved ones that don't know the Lord and need the Lord, how often am I interceding on their behalf? How often is their name on the tip of my lips that I'm calling out the Almighty God to open up their hearts and their minds to the truth of the glorious gospel? Is that not what Paul is asking for? Think about the words that we used in verse 3 and 4. He says, listen, he goes, hey, so that I can go and I can preach Christ freely. He says, here's what I need from you. I need boldness and I need courage. The Apostle Paul. 
He goes, I, I need boldness and I need courage. And, and, I, and as I studied that, I was, it convicted me because there's far more times where I'm not bold and I'm surely not courageous. And, and so he's petitioning his body, the body of Christ saying, Preach, pray this for me that I would preach Christ freely. That the obstacles, the hindrances, the things that would block and stop would be set aside and I could proclaim the glorious truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Freely, freely preach the word. Because I don't know about you, but there are a lot of times when I go to talk about the gospel and the reason I'm not free is, is because the enemy is me. The enemy is me. As I said, there's a lot of times where courage is not what I would say I led with. More fear. Fear of failure, fear of being wrong, fear that someone might not like me. Now, I'm glad none of you all struggle with any of those, just me. But if, if you did, you need to get over it, right? You need to get over it. And then he goes on even more. He says, okay, not, not just that I preach it freely. He says, but listen, uh, that I'll preach the truth. The truth. The truth. Who and what Jesus Christ is. It's not Jesus and. It's just Jesus, brothers and sisters. Just so we're clear. It's just Jesus. Then it's Jesus and anything else. It ain't, it's Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Paul says that I would preach that truth and not be compromised by anything that the world would look to lay upon me to water down the fact that it's Christ and Christ alone. And the temptation is there and the world would like us to do that, but that's not what it says in the Word of God. Again, I didn't write it. Take it up with the author. And not only just that he would preach it truly, but also the fact that he would preach it clearly. He says this, that he says that, that he'd be able to speak clearly and boldly to sinners about the glories and the love of Christ. He wants to make the gospel manifest in their lives, that they would have that moment of truth about who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for them. the gospel, why we should pray. We believe God to be who he says he is. The sovereign creator of the world that spoke it into existence and he wants an audience with us through prayer. And I know some people that don't know the Lord. That in and of itself should put us on our knees every day. That truth. So some things to consider in closing. Some things just as we, as we wrap up. I promise you I'd be done early but the Holy Spirit leads as the Holy Spirit leads. So things I want you to take away, so I put them on your handout, right? Because I know, it's probably, I know it don't happen at Woodland, okay? But there's a lot of times, I don't know if you all know this, but asphalt has the ability to suck from you to memory what you just heard in this room. I'm, I'm serious. I've been, I've been doing this 20-some years. It's amazing. Like you can't you get to your car, like, hey, what the pastor preach about? I don't know, something in the Bible, right? Something in the Bible, right? Something I think about Jesus, maybe. I don't know. It's amazing what asphalt can do. It just pulls from you. What you just sat through, right? So I'm going to help you with that because I, I, I love you. I care about you, right? So I, I gave you some things to consider, some things just to contemplate, to think through when you think about this week. Number one, do you have a persistent prayer life? Why or why not? But, like, like, but just be mindful. A lot of times when we think about these things, we, we just want to give an answer. I'm asking for you to truly prayerfully consider, is your prayer life, would you describe it as persistent? And if that is not the case, why? 
Why is that? Right? Maybe you've never thought about it before. Maybe it's something you need to think about in regards to your schedule. You might have to change some things. You might have to look at some things you need to do differently. Uh, what could you do or have done to develop it? What's it look like? Schedule it, set it on, get up 30 minutes. I don't know. But, but just think through it. Just prayerfully consider it. Does thinking of prayer as a battle help with the discipline of prayer? Thinking about it from the standpoint of I'm a warrior, I get to enter the fray and intercede on the behalf of others. Does that, in regards to that, help in building the discipline of prayer in your lives? Because make no mistake, like I said, there is a battle raging, brothers and sisters. There is a battle raging, one you can't see and one you can see. It is happening whether you want to believe that or not. You can either be on the sidelines or you can get in the game. I would encourage you to get in the game. Is Thanksgiving a part of your prayer life? Mealtime meal doesn't count. I'm just, I, you know, I hear you. I ain't talking about, you know, thanks for that ham sandwich. I ain't talking about that. You can still do that. I'm talking beyond that, right? Do you have an attitude of gratitude? Are you thankful in your prayer life? Right? Are you just, when I get up in the morning, my God, I'm drawing breath. Right? I'm still upright and on the right side of the dirt. Just being thankful for that very thing right there, that just the fact that God has given me another day, now what am I going to do with it? Am I thankful that I had that opportunity this day to be his ambassadors, to be his hands and feet? Lord, what have you prepared for me in advance? Who am I going to encounter today that you're already ahead of me working, doing the heavy lifting, and I get just to come in and give glory and honor to you? Amen? How can you develop a more thankful attitude in your prayer life? Do your prayers have a gospel focus? When you think about your prayer life, when you think about all those that you know that don't know the Lord, does your prayer life represent that? How can you develop that? Write their names down. Have something with you. Create a space that you can go to. That's your prayer area where you go through and you intercede. I don't know. Come up with something. Think of something. Do you intercede on the behalf of others in prayer? Are you petitioning God to intercede in their lives? Are you petitioning God to use you as a vehicle to intercede in their lives? Are you asking and seeking those things each day? Why should we pray? Because we believe God answers prayer, amen? We believe God answers prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that you do answer prayer and that you hear our prayers. We're thankful that we're given instruction in your word. We're thankful that we can intercede on the behalf of others, that we get to enter into the battle, Father, that we've won the victory through you, Lord, and we get to minister to all those around us. Praise be to you, Lord. Glory be to you, Father, for all that you've done. May we be mindful as we leave from here today, even as we go out these doors being prepared for what maybe you have in store for us today, Lord how you would like to use us, Father, to be your hands and your feet, to be Jesus in the flesh to those we encounter. May we be prayed up and prepared, and as Paul said, may we be ready to speak freely the truth of the gospel. May we be prepared, Father, to clearly articulate who you are and truthfully share with those we encounter. And in that, Father, as we think about the things that would look to distract us and remove us from what you've called us to do. 
We ask, Father, that you would steal our minds through this truth, that you would take those distractions, that you would stop the enemy from allowing us to lose sight of the glorious opportunity we get to be your ambassadors in Christ, to set the captives free and to bring light to the darkness. May that spur us on all the more, Father, to set aside the trivial things, the trifle things that would look to rob us from that truth, that would look to take our attention and our time and to give it to things that are not of what you would have us to do. That in the end have no eternal glory or no eternal importance, but are only temporal. May you bring those things to light in our minds. And may you give us the strength and the courage to change. For your glory and your honor, Father, that you would be exalted and set on high, that your name would be known amongst the nations as the one and true King and soon coming Lord. It's in the matchless name of Christ we pray. And all God's children said, amen, amen, and amen.